How many of you got to watch the royal wedding? Be honest this morning. Did you see Bishop Curry give that rousing sermon and the English royals didn't quite know what to make of it yesterday when he did that? It's worth watching if you didn't get a chance to see it. I want to begin this morning with a confession. I told this to the staff this past week. I am a commencement address junkie. Uh, I love to watch and listen to commencement addresses that are given this time of year because theoretically, supposedly, they contain lots of life wisdom for those that are moving on to the next chapter of their lives. Uh, so, for example, Steve Jobs once told the graduating staff at Stanford, your time is limited, so don't waste it living somebody else's life. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. George Saunders once told the class at Syracuse, err in the direction of kindness. Do those things that incline you toward the big questions and avoid the things that would reduce you and make you trivial. That luminous part of you that exists beyond your personality, your soul, is as bright and shining as any that has ever been. So clear away everything that keeps you separate from this secret luminous place. Believe it exists. Come to know it better. Nurture it. Share its fruits tirelessly. Jim Carrey once said this. He said, fear is going to be a player in your life, but you get to decide how much. You can spend your whole life imagining ghosts, worrying about your pathway to the future, but all there will ever be is what's happening here and the decisions that we make in this moment which are based on one of two things, either love or fear. Try to choose love. David Brooks was speaking at Dartmouth when he said, you have to give to receive. You have to surrender to something outside of yourself to gain strength within yourself. You have to conquer your desire to get what you crave. Success, he said, leads to the greatest failure, which is arrogance and pride. Failure can lead to the greatest success, which is humility and learning. In order to fulfill yourself, you have to forget yourself. In order to find yourself, you have to lose yourself. And then Sarah Drew was speaking at UVA one time, and she said, in the end, the most important question is not, did I impress, but did I love? We're in this May series called Wisdom. And I'm challenging you to read the book of Proverbs by simply taking the day, today is May 20th, going to Proverbs and reading the chapter of Proverbs that corresponds with the day. And I, I promise you, you will be amazed at the way that God speaks to you and things that you're dealing with in your life right now, if you will do that during a devotional time. Donovan will bring the uh, final message next week on this wisdom series. And, um, and, and honestly, th there's so much in Proverbs, we can't even begin uh, to cover it all. And that's why I'm encouraging you to read it on your own. Solomon was very wise. He was the king of Israel, son of King David. He was known for his great wisdom and, and insight. And so we have these books of the Bible and specifically Proverbs where we find this wisdom written down. But I want to begin this morning by saying that there is a big difference, a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts and data that you have learned about or experienced. It's being aware of something, 
Having information, knowledge is really about facts and ideas that we acquire through study and research, investigation, observation, or experience. And knowledge is very important. That's why we go to school. That's why we get an education. That's why we should read on a regular basis. Knowledge matters. But knowledge is not the same thing as wisdom. Wisdom is different. Wisdom is the ability to discern and judge which aspects of that knowledge are true and right and lasting and applicable to your life. It's the ability to apply that knowledge to the greater scheme of your life. It's also much deeper than knowledge, knowing the meaning or the reason, knowing why something is and what it means to your life. That's what wisdom is, and wisdom is much more valuable than knowledge. There are lots of people in our world who have knowledge but who do not have wisdom. There are lots of people that are very book smart, academically smart, intellectual, but they do not have wisdom. They do not have the emotional intelligence to apply that knowledge so that it can make a difference. And I think that all of us spend our entire lives trying to find wisdom that we can apply as we live from day to day. In Proverbs chapter 6 that Justin read, it says that there are six things that the Lord hates. And that's a very strong word. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue or a lying witness, hands that shed innocent blood like we saw on Friday, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run to evil, and one who sows discord in the family. And I think that it's um, important that we lift these up and acknowledge them. Farrell, the 930 service said, I'm going to read the negative scripture first and the positive one next so you can start your sermon with the positive scripture. And I said, well, what if I want to focus on the negative scripture this morning? Let me talk about each of these for just a moment here. Haughty eyes, also known as pride. Billy Graham says that pride keeps thousands away from Christ. What will my friends say? What will my family think? What will my reputation be like if I become a Christian? Jesus said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The entrance to the kingdom of heaven is through the gate of humility. C.S. Lewis talked about pride as a spiritual cancer and he said that all of our character flaws, and yes, we all have character flaws, so many of them, if not all of them, come from pride. Pride makes us think that we are better than other people, and pride always comes before the fall. The only counter to pride is humility. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. The second thing that God hates, a lying tongue or a lying witness Nobody wants to be around somebody who cannot tell the truth because you simply don't know if you can trust them. And it's somewhat surreal that we now live in an age where facts are disputed. You can turn on the TV and go from one news channel to the next, and it seems like they're dealing with a different set of facts. And that is, uh, that is a struggle. People that are in search of the truth have a hard time figuring out where they can go to find it. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
We should not fear the truth, even if it's something we don't want to hear. The truth can be uncomfortable, but it's also important. The third thing that the Lord hates is hands that shed innocent blood. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of kids being killed in schools. And, and I realize that there's all different ideas as to how to fix it and how to stop it. But our culture is growing numb to it, to where we hear the news and then we move on to what's next. And it happened again on Friday in Texas. The sixth commandment is you shall not murder. Billy Graham says this, not all murderers are behind bars. It so happens that only those who kill the body are punished by the law, but many who are free are just as guilty of destroying the lives, the personalities, and the souls of other people. The Bible says that you can strike someone with your tongue. You can ruin another person's reputation. You can murder somebody's character. You can murder a friendship. You can murder uh, trust. So we have to be very careful what we say and how we say it. Fourth, a heart that devises wicked plans. If there's one thing that I would say I hate, and yes, that's a strong word again, perhaps more than anything else in this life, it's people who wish ill will upon other people. People who find satisfaction when other people fail or stumble. People who go out of their way to do harm to other people. This is not why we were put here on this earth. What would it look like to live a life where you always wanted the best for everybody else? What would it look like to always be working to build bridges and to strengthen relationships? What would it look like to simply just want good news for other people? Is that possible? Isn't that what Jesus came to teach? Agape love? Fifth, feet that run to evil. You know those people in life where if things are going well and everything's sailing along, you never see or hear from them? Uh, but then if drama or conflict arises, there they are, uh, right out of the woodwork. Uh, they're there. Billy Graham says, evil thoughts and imaginations, if nourished and fed, will eventually lead to sinful actions. Thoughts matter. There are people in every community who openly and fragrantly violate God's law. They boast that they are not hypocrites and they make no pretense of being good, but this does not excuse them for their wickedness. All of us in life should try to run to the good, run to what's positive, run to what's hopeful and just and righteous, like Paul writes to the Philippians, not to the evil, not to what's wrong. Lastly, the sixth thing that the Lord hates is one who sows discord in a family. Or to put this differently, one who turns people in a family against each other. Every family has baggage. Every family has problems. And I've always been amused the fact that everybody thinks their family is special. Oh, you haven't heard anything until you hear what our family is going through. But what's important is that families learn to come together and work on their differences and forgive and move on. But sometimes there can be one or maybe two people in a family that are really, really good at sowing discord. 
maybe they're bored. Uh, maybe they need a purpose, but they take it upon themselves to cause division, and that's not good. We need healthy families. We need families that lift each other up. We need families that come together after difficult situations so they can help each other heal. Uh, I'm convinced that sometimes people sow discord in a family without even knowing it. Say things like, well, I'm just telling you what she said, or... Um, I'm just being honest with you. Uh, it's clear that mom spends more time with you and your kids. It's clear that dad's favorite grandchild is Mary Barrett. <laughs> it's his only grandchild. Sometimes it happens in subtle ways. So these are the things that, that, that Solomon says that the Lord despises, the things that we should avoid in life. So that begs the question, what does God love? What are we supposed to be about? What are we supposed to do with our lives? And so I want to lift up just a few themes that recur in the book of Proverbs, because if you read this book, you'll find them coming up over and over again. The first theme is wisdom. In chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own insight. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. True wisdom comes in life when we realize that we are dependent upon God and we can't do everything on our own, even though we sometimes pretend to do that. We don't kid ourselves into thinking that we are self-sufficient. True wisdom comes when we do not do the things that the Lord hates. A second theme of Proverbs is humility, the opposite of haughty eyes, the opposite of pride. Proverbs 16 says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It's better to be of a lowly spirit, humble, among the poor than to divide the spoil of the proud. Proverbs 8, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. In his book called The Power of a Humble Life, Richard Simmons says this, he says, the proud person has a very difficult time finding peace in his life because he's always worrying about what everybody else thinks. Proud people are obsessed with what everybody else thinks about them. David Brooks says that proud people are unstable because they attempt to establish their self-worth by winning the approval of others, and they are dependent upon what everybody else thinks. David Brooks wrote that great book called The Road to Character. And in the very end of that book, the final chapter, he gives what he calls the humility code, where he says, the road to character begins with an accurate understanding of our nature and recognizing that we are flawed creatures. We have a tendency to be self-centered and overconfident. However, we are not the center of the universe. Pride blinds us to our weaknesses and makes us think that we are better than we are. Pride drives us to prove that we are better than others, and it makes it hard to be vulnerable before those that we love. And I don't know anybody who can be in any relationship if they're not vulnerable. Can you get hurt? Absolutely. But you have to be vulnerable. A third theme in Proverbs is avoiding anger. Proverbs 14 says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but one who has a hasty temper exalts folly. 
Proverbs 16, one who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and one whose temper is controlled is better than one who captures the city. You see, here's the deal. When we get angry, and all of us deal with anger on some level, we, when we get angry, we can say and do things that we will regret. And so what doesn't distinguish us is the fact that we get angry because all of us as human beings have to deal with anger. What distinguishes us is how we deal with that anger, how we manage that anger, uh, whether we do it in healthy ways or unhealthy ways, because we can say and do a lot of things that will damage relationships, that will damage family, that will damage marriages when we get angry and we don't think before we speak. Lastly this morning, a fifth and, and, and final theme that I'm going to lift up from Proverbs is family. Proverbs is a very pro-family book, and this actually includes a number of different things. Staying away from adultery, honoring parents, listening to parents, obeying parents, disciplining children, not being afraid to correct them. Proverbs 22 uh, is above the, the entryway to our preschool here. 22.6, it says this, train children in the right way, and when they grow old, they will not stray. That is truth. That is wisdom that you can take to the bank. These are some of the themes that we find in the book of Proverbs, and these are the ways and the things that we're supposed to focus on as we live our lives as Christians. Back in 1997, Father Thomas Keating gave a lecture at Harvard Divinity School that was titled The Human Condition. You can actually order it. It's a, it's a really small little book, almost like a, like a pamphlet. But in that lecture, he said this, we spend the first part of our lives finding a role, becoming a mother, a father, a professor, a doctor, a minister, a soldier, a business person, an artisan, or, or whatever. Whoever we think we are, we are not. We have to find that out, and the best way to find that out, or at least the most painless way, is through the process that we call the spiritual journey. This requires facing the dark side of our personality and the emotional investment that we have made in false programs for happiness and in our particular cultural conditioning. You see, in our society, we like to say that, that, that you are what you do, you're a lawyer, you're a preacher, you're a doctor, you're a businessman, you're an entrepreneur. But what we do is not who we are. And people that don't understand that have a really hard time when they have to stop what they do. I asked you at the beginning if you watched the uh, royal wedding. Many of you did. But in that sermon, Bishop Curry gave some great wisdom. He said, it's all about love. Love is why we are here. Redemptive love can heal a broken world. It's all about love. Err on the side of love. The spiritual journey is about discovering what it means to be wise, and what it means to love others. Amen.